Hello and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. And this is a podcast where I am teaching Mika all about American music history. Every single little thing. Everything. And I'm very invested. <laughs> you say through a yawn. We got the creativity candle back out. So Do they even know about the creativity candle? Yeah, we talked about it in like way earlier episodes. You did? So some people probably don't know. Oh. Yeah, back when we used to always do it. Yeah. So that means it's it'll either be a very good episode or a very bad one. There's no in between. Sometimes we're in between. That's true. Well, this will probably be our last episode before Christmas, I imagine. We might record some next week, but I doubt they'll go up before Christmas. I'm hoping to have a sound of conspiracies up soon. Oh, so. fun. I didn't know you guys did another one. We haven't yet, but we're supposed to do it tomorrow. So hopefully we actually get that done. But anyway, follow us on social media so you can see when those drop. Twitter.com slash history underscore. We're very lucky that Twitter didn't go down. Yeah. What would we do for Just our one post. tweet a month? Okay. Well, those are my announcements. So before we get into this episode which is a whole new genre from what we've been talking oh, it about. Is? Yeah. Ooh. Mika is the host now. Mika is a host now. Okay. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, don't think that you can turn yourself into a bakery <laughs> and make seven different kinds of macarons as presents. Just don't do it. But, like, people are so happy when they get them. So, I mean, maybe do it if you want to. I don't know. I mean, it worked. You did it. I did so. it. I just am so tired. Yeah. But they're so pretty. Like, so now I would do it luck. again. Even though it, like, ruined my week. Because they weren't right. And our kitchen. Yeah, it did ruin our kitchen. And our cat's anxiety. Yeah. Ajax didn't like not being able to jump anywhere he wanted. I don't know. Proceed with caution. When it comes to macarons. That's fair. That's a good good advice. I don't know. Nothing else is happening. That has been the entirety of my week. Well, it's it's Christmas time and we're a music podcast. So what Christmas music do you recommend people listen to? Oh, that's fun. Well, if we did this the same time like last year, then it really honestly hasn't changed. I don't I don't know if we commented on any Christmas music last year. Because my classic my classic Christmas album is A Charlie Brown Christmas. It's amazing. It is just, that is Christmas. That's how Christmas sounds. And then my non-traditional recommendation is the Oh Hellos um, and their Christmas album, which is in four movements. And it's the coolest thing in the whole wide world. I don't know. We also have an album called Louie Wishes You a Cool Yule. Yeah, so. and at the end of it, he reads you a Christmas story. <laughs> he does, so that might be cooler. All right, well, anything else? I'm trying to think about, like, any newer Christmas releases, and I really don't think that... I don't know any new Christmas music that comes out. I only listen to the old stuff. Jordy Cersei had a really cute one. There's a Santa baby done by Ariana Grande and Liz Giles. Oh, isn't that old? I mean, yes, probably, but it's new to me, and I'm obsessed. Yeah, I feel like that came out like back when they were Didn't still the on show? Disney. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, on Disney? Were they Nick? Yes. Oh, okay. 
I don't remember these things. Oh, there's a Jingle Bell Rock from Mr. Wives. Oh, mm. Mandy Lee. Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, our classic Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> the Dominic. Dominic the Donkey. That was the first Christmas jingly music we jing. listened to this year. <laughs> the what Chris? The that was the first Italian Christmas song. Christmas donkey. <laughs> that ushered in our Christmas season. Nothing better. And it's been chaotic ever since. So Honestly. It, it's fitting. <laughs> Don't listen to Dominic the donkey. <laughs> Proceed with caution. All right, anything else? No, I'm done. Mika no longer the host Mika's now? Mika's no longer the host. I don't want to. <laughs> well, do you remember anything that we've been talking about for the past few episodes? No. Not even the genre? We mm. did three episodes of it. Punk. Yep. We really? Talked, yeah. Oh, okay. And then we talked about the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. We're like in the late 70s. We're in that kind of time frame. I have Dominic the Donkey stuck in my head. <laughs> That's the punk song, the punk Jingle Christmas song. No, there was a Christmas song by the Ramones on a playlist yesterday. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, do you have any like brief recap of punk? No. No, I don't. not at all. I really don't. Okay. I, re- I couldn't do it. I don't know. They're all kind of like performative, it's sometimes musical. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I mean, <sighs> so today we're going to talk about what is kind of pop music's response to punk and heavy metal that pop was getting punk. very <laughs> no Aww. that was getting very popular around this time. Uh, so while punk and heavy metal exploded in the '70s, pop music had to retaliate. They had to come up with something fresh and new to counteract the energy and the excitement that was surrounding the heavier styles of music. And that response is known as New Wave. Do you know anything about New Wave? Isn't it just kind of like vibey? Yeah, essentially. Okay. Are there any like artists you think of when you hear the term New Wave? No. That's fair. I'm sure you'll know a lot of these songs and bands Okay. as we go through it. The actual term new wave started with critics who needed a term to describe new bands that came onto the scene that weren't quite playing punk or metal, but were still harnessing that irreverence of those genres. So it's as a lot of these genres around this time are, they're just kind of catch all terms at the start and it gets more refined, but at the start it's just kind of blanket. This is the new music. Yeah, basically, exactly. new music. (laughs) Yeah. By the end of the 70s, New Wave was the standard term for bands in the underground rock scene in the United Kingdom, and the name was taken from the New Wave Cinema of the 1950s. Actually, what? New Wave Cinema? Yeah, I don't know Are what we that going means. to get into that? No. It's just... What? I guess a new kind of... Like a new cinema? genre of film, I guess, in the 50s. Several punk bands around this time started to incorporate aspects of pop music into their sound and be reclassified as new wave. Which pop were, punk! Which were bands like Blondie, The Go-Go's, and The Ooh. Pretenders. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Big fan. Ready to go. Like a lot of the music we'll be talking about from here on out, new wave is loosely defined. Generally, it's seen, it's seen as an umbrella term that covers different pop-oriented styles of music like synth pop, power pop, ska, etc., 
Typically, it featured electronic elements like synthesizers, kind of quirky elements in a distinct fashion and visual style in stage productions and music videos. New Wave was musically diverse from the outset, with the original bands of the genre all sounding pretty different, which makes it very hard to define, and I'm sure you love that. Because you always get mad when there's not like a clear definition of a genre. It's because you ask me to explain genres every single week, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, it is sometimes like this. Yeah. How else am I supposed to recap it if it doesn't have a definition? I mean, you could, I'm giving you like a whole hour-long description of this. You could say any of it. <laughs> it would work. I'm just going to say pop punk. I mean, okay. New Wave music generally had choppy rhythm guitars, stop-start song structures, vocalists that are high-pitched and sound suburban, whatever that means. What? Most of the bands in the genre were from white, middle-class backgrounds. And one music historian has... So sig- it's just, they sound white? Well, they play it up. One music historian suggested that these bands exaggerated that middle-class white element of their background in order to criticize it. Uh, but that's getting farther into the weeds than we normally do, so we're not really going to go there. But all of that image that they helped create really clashed with the more underground, somewhat aggressively masculine attitude of the popular music of the time. If they were playing up their whiteness to like criticize it then why would it clash with the I think you're focusing too hard on the white it was more the middle class that they were playing up and that kind of like more like they weren't punk they weren't in garages and in dirty bars like they were more like in a home studio yeah like trying to be put (laughs) together and like refined but like not refined like it's like kind of sarcastically doing it very tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff okay So that's a little bit about what new wave music is. So let's now talk about where it came from. The Midwest. No. (laughs) The biggest inspirations for new wave came from punk, metal, and other guitar-based rock. Notably, David Bowie was a massive influence for basically all of the early new wave artists. As early as 1973, critics were using the term new wave to describe bands like the Velvet Underground and the New York Dolls, so basically the same bands that were creating that kind of like avant-garde new style of music that inspired the punk scene. It was kind of like weird bands that the critics like didn't know what to do with. Bookended. Yeah, basically. Bookended. Well, new wave is very tied with punk. Like they're very interchangeable or in the early days and then they kind of separate. By the mid-70s, the term new wave and punk were used somewhat interchangeably. As bands began distancing themselves from punk, the term new wave stuck. There was a 1977 compilation album that was simply called New Wave, but it featured bands like The Ramones, The Runaways, and The Dead Boys, which were all just pretty standard punk bands. So people wouldn't call that a new wave compilation, I don't think. I can't imagine why any punk artist would want to distance themselves from the reputation of punk music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They're like, we're not like that. We're PC punk. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of new wave. <laughs> Which is so weird because that's <laughs> not the point. No. I mean, I we did also talked in the punk episode about one of the major issues with punk is the gatekeeping and like punk purists not saying like, you're not allowed to push the genre forward you're not allowed to try new things like that's not punk so a lot of these bands after they've been recording for 
five years, they want to start doing something different, like moving on a little bit. The so, new wave of music. Yeah, so they had to have something new. Such to a do, dumb name. And they had to have a new term for it. So dumb. Punks wouldn't allow it to be called punk. They're like, for being creative people, <laughs> their band names yeah. were weird, and new wave is just a. Well, to be fair, the bands didn't name. come up with new wave. The critics did. Critics are lazy. They're not lazy, but they're also not creative. That's why they're critics and lazy. not playing lazy the songs. naming. <laughs> By nineteen, you can't criticize people if the title that like what you can't comment on anyone's lyrics or anything if you're like new the new wave of music. <laughs> and they like, didn't even come up with it. They took it from a cinema thing. Ugh. <laughs> Well, by 1976, critics started using New Wave to describe bands that were related to the punk scene but weren't really punk. So at this point, it's all very vague, which is kind of just music from here on out. Like, it's hard to define genres now, and it's just this is kind of where it started. One thing that really marked the start of New Wave was innovation in synthesizer technology. The synth was invented in the 60s, but it was primarily used by progressive rock and metal bands. In the 70s, the technology became more affordable and more portable, allowing more musicians to start playing around with it. Use of synthesizers was a major characteristic of New Wave. Would you say that Walk the Moon is like New Wave music? I would say there's synth pop, which is kind of tied into New Wave. Yeah, synth pop sounds more... Yeah. But then some of their songs aren't poppy, but most of them are. I mean, some New Wave band songs aren't poppy, like Blondie. Also in the 70s, David Bowie released a series of albums that are commonly called the Berlin Trilogy. These albums utilized heavy electronic elements and were a massive inspiration to the up-and-coming new wave bands. Why Berlin? Because they were made in Berlin. Oh. They also took a lot of influence from a German band called Kraftwerk. Was David Bowie German? No, he's British. Okay. It just... The... We talk about it a little bit because we're talking about craft work, but Germany was doing a lot of kind of like industrial technological styles at this point. So I'm guessing he just went to Berlin to kind of like get that feeling and use that technology and those producers and stuff if he wanted that kind of sound. Kraftwerk was formed in 1970 in Dusseldorf. <laughs> they were among the first groups to popularize electronic music. They started as part of Germany's Krautrock scene. So Kraftwerk were a part of the Krautrock scene. Krautrock? Krautrock, like sauerkraut. Krautrock. It's like just a little bit sour. I I don't know where the name came from. I maybe should know that. Just a but. little bit German? <laughs> no, it's very German. <laughs> I'm confused. It was more experimental rock, but leaned into the electronic elements. And by their third album, called Autobahn, they were pretty much... Very electronic, basically only electronic. I thought that we were talking about American music. Yeah, but we got to talk about craft work because they're the inspiration for a lot of this electronic stuff. Keep saying craft work. Is it? That's the name of the band. Oh, it's not kraut. Craft work is the band. They played a genre called kraut rock. Why does kraut rock remind me of like crawdads? <laughs> Those words seem very similar to me. <laughs> Okay. I don't know why. Do you think that they're similar? No. <laughs> Someone out there agrees with me. Okay. Like I know I'm that sure they're they not do. related, but they sound <laughs> like they would be. Okay? Okay. Krautrock, Crawdad. 
It's like they're hiding it's just under the crowd. That rock. starts with a K or like a K sound. No, no, it's deeper than that. Okay, sure. I'm so distracted. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about craft work and kraut rock. Why are we talking about craft work? Because they inspired the David electro- Bowie. They. When did we get to David Bowie? <laughs> We're talking about the use of synthesizers and more electronic oh, yeah. okay. sounds okay. in New Wave. Okay. okay. And that was inspired largely by, by David rock? Bowie. But David Bowie is picking up that inspiration from bands like Kraftwerk who are doing it in Germany. This is so many layers deep. Yeah. Like an onion. Well, here is Kraftwerk playing their song called Robots. I think you're going to love this. It's very weird. Oh, my God. Work. It's spelled like work it, girl. (laughs) They also don't have any physical instruments. They're all synth. Oh, God. This looks like um, a Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Oh my god, their name. Oh my god, this is amazing. Their names are lit up in like neon lights. But like on the ground. (laughs) They all are, they're clones. Are they wearing masks? No, just heavy makeup. Do they always perform like robots? Yeah, I think so. Ah, they're in the audience too. They had they did a music video with like those mannequins, so I think they brought the mannequins to the show as like a little gimmick thing. This is terrifying. That's very creepy. Ah! <laughs> Well, that's craft work. I love them so much. Hey, can we make that my ringtone? And then it'll be like my phone is talking to me. I don't know if you want that. That sounds terrifying. We are the robots. Do, 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 do. Like, that is amazing. Craftwork is like they they were very very inspirational to a lot of the like house music and dance music and stuff like that. So that is I if David Bowie I get David Bowie more now. Yeah, Craftwork is one of the most influential bands that no one knows. I think. Yeah. Like, they're not very popular, but they did so much for like this kind of like electronic stuff that yeah. starts happening. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. <laughs> now you know Craftwork. Craftwork. So at the time that this explosion of synthesizer-heavy electronic music was happening, bands that were a part of that punk explosion started to drift away from it towards the new waters of new wave. Punk was raw, loud, and pessimistic in a lot of ways. In comparison, new wave was bright, exciting, and kind of hopeful. And robotic. <laughs> yes. Boom, also, boom, boom, boom. Also, people were getting kind of tired of that, like, aggressive punk sound that didn't really seem to change all that much. The DIY anti-establishment thing was running its course. The music could often be too political or too raw for the average casual listener. Punk isn't exactly easy listening. It's not music to just like kick back and relax to or throw on in the background. 
So by the end of the 70s, the punk scene really split into two different genres. On the one hand, you had post-punk, which kind of carried on that heavier, aggressive style into the 80s. Like and then, Post Malone. <laughs> yes. And then you had New Wave, which adopted a more mainstream, lighter sound. Which meant a major difference between punk and New Wave was marketability. The New Wave bands would become insanely popular, while the punk superstars like the Ramones toured in vans for pretty much their entire career. I thought for a minute you were talking about the shoe, and I was like, yes, traps. <laughs> no. They were wearing the combat car. boots. Yes. Because of all of this happening together in such a short period of time, it's kind of hard to say what the first New Wave band actually was. We are the robots. <laughs> do, 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 do. I doubt there even is one band that we could point to and say, like, this is the first New Wave band. Can we decide that it's Kraftwerk? No, because they're not New Wave. They're Krautrock. We've been over this. <laughs> Krautrock is a goddad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so... Ah! Okay. <laughs> Uh, is short-circuiting. Blondie's third album had basically none of the punk sound that their earlier stuff did, so it could theoretically be called the first New Wave album, but I, I, I doubt it. And then there was a band called The Knack, who were one of the first bands to hit number one with a New Wave song. The Knack was created by Doug Feiger. Feiger? I don't know. F-I-E-G-E-R. I don't know how to say that. That's a good name. Okay. I like that name. What, The Knack or Doug Feiger? Doug Feiger, Doug Feiger. Either one works. All right. What, how do you feel about The Knack as a band name? It's spelled K-N-A-C-K. I like it. I All approve. Right. Okay. Well, Doug moved from Michigan to L.A. in 1977 and quite quickly assembled a group of musicians for his new band. How fast is quite quickly? Well, they played their first show in 1978, so a year later. I think that's actually kind of slow. I mean, to get a group together and then rehearse and write stuff, that's, that's moving kind of fast. In 1979, their song, My Sharona, off of their debut album, was an international number one in the biggest song of 1979. Why have I never heard of The Knack then? I don't Well, the group continued on until 1992, never repeating the success of My Sharona. Doug, unfortunately, passed away from brain tumors in 2010 at the age of 57. I'm sorry. Bye, Doug. Here is my Sharona. This looks like he looks like Joe Jonas. I feel like I am watching (laughs) a Disney Channel music video. That's her. He looks like Ross. That's Nick. I've changed my mind. He looks like Nicholas Cage. He does. He looks like Nicholas Cage mixed with... Danny DeVito. Who's the guy who played the original Willy Wonka? Gene Wilder? A little bit, yeah. I think he looks a little bit like Willy Wonka and Nick Cage mixed together. Really working this camera. Yep. Him and the Jonas Brothers. Mm. 
All right, well, that's my Sharona. Is it just the, vi- the video quality that's making it so white, or was that just how the music video looked? I think both. I think it was a little bit brighter, but it's just not great quality because it was from the 70s. So, like, trying to get it on YouTube isn't great. They look so washed out. Though there isn't one consistent consensus on the first new wave group or artist, Gary Newman is considered by many to be the first commercially successful new wave artist. Is that Randy's dad? <laughs> I don't think so. Newman uh, first grew to prominence as the leader of a band called Tubeway Army. They recorded Tubeway, Tubeway, like Tubeway. They're British, so the tube, I guess. Oh, I was thinking from. like a lazy river. That's more fun. Yeah. Having an army in the lazy river. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, so they recorded a very punk heavy demo before they got signed in 1978, but their debut album, which was released later that year, was heavily new wave. It showcased Newman's fascination with science fiction and dystopian themes, as well as his love of synthesizers. He'd have his first number one in 1979 with the song called Our Friends Electric. Is that a question? Yeah. Like are or our? Are. Like are they? Are they electric? Are you electric? I don't think so. We're all electric a little bit because our hearts are electric. Okay. And so our maybe brains they are. are electric. I think our brains are electric. Well, then maybe, maybe he was on something. Weird. Maybe friends are electric. Friends are electric. Okay. We solved that for Gary. Confirmed. I'm proud of us. Uh, by the 80s. If what? they don't have a heart, then they're, they're not dead, good right? For, well, I mean, like, what if it's like a teddy bear or something? Oh. Eh. It's not a very good friend. They have, like, static electricity. That's if you true. you too fast. Oh, my gosh. Friends are electric. <laughs> so by the 80s, Gary Newman was topping the charts and headlining tours, no longer as a part of the two-way army, but as a solo artist. He started to experiment a bit more, as you can do when you're already successful. And currently, he's still out there touring and making music today. Here's one of his most popular songs called Cars. The eyeliner game. You know this song? Like that riff, I feel like is pretty well known. I know that. It took more than just that note. I'm sorry, Gary. This is awful. really likes his cars, all right? Oh, that's, that's a, a good, fantastic that's a great shot. shot. <laughs> We're looking through a, a tambourine at him playing tambourine. <laughs> oh, and we just did like, oh, oh. and he was going. We're doing some PowerPoint like visual changes. <laughs> cars. <laughs> all right, that's cars. Cars. But Gary Newman. What? He was one of the biggest new wave artists. Hey, of where's the end of Gary the from? England. I don't know where at in England. Okay. Somewhere in England. 
Well, somewhere where they say cars, like cars. <laughs> it sounded so. like like Scottish almost or like Irish. I, I mean, he could be. He was UK. Cars. I will say he was UK. So that incorporates all of that stuff over there. Despite the success that new wave bands were starting to have, a few of the artists were not super happy about the classification. Most didn't care, but a few pushed back. How dare you call me new? <laughs> there was an English band called XTC who released a song called This Is Pop. XTC formed in the early 70s and played a hodgepodge of styles, basically doing whatever the heck they wanted, which I think is a cool thing to do. Since they didn't fit into any one genre, they were only sporadically successful. Andy Partridge, who was the songwriter of XTC, put out This Is Pop as a reaction against the new labels. He said, quote, let's be honest about this. This is pop, what we're playing. Don't try to give it any fancy new names or any words that you've made up because it's blatantly just pop music. We are a new pop group. That's all. End quote. New wave <laughs> of pop, one might say. One might. Not him. But it could also be seen as a sarcastic song, like a punk band might release it to make fun of new wave bands. And no one really knows with XTC, and that's kind of part of their charm. Here is This Is Pop. It's a cool keyboard. It's a synthesizer. The music video direction on this is just so These so are like good. some of the earliest music videos. So. He's so aggressive about it. He really wants you to know this is pop. Okay. I just need to draw attention to the fact that that man was just playing the synth. Like that one meme from God, God bless Allison Stoner in Camp Rock. Where oh, she yeah. <laughs> like, that was how that man was playing the synthesizer. It looked exactly like that shot of her playing. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, that was Wow, XTC. he's really good. <laughs> By 1980, New Wave was losing its association with punk music. Writing in 1989, music critic Bill Flanagan said, quote, Flanagan. Bit by bit, the last traces of punk were drained from New Wave, as New Wave went from meaning talking heads to meaning the cars to squeeze to Duran Duran to finally wham. End quote. Last Christmas, you gave me my heart. <laughs> that's, that's a way darker take. <laughs> you gave me my heart. Either we're talking about a Frankenstein situation or a serial killer situation. And either way, it's terrifying. <laughs> Help. <laughs> New Wave really took off thanks in part to MTV. Oh, we have MTV now. We'll probably end up doing a bonus episode on kind of like the founding of MTV and what that was all about. Because I think that could be fun. Yes, please. I would want to hear about that. But it provided these new wave bands a platform that they probably wouldn't have had. 
The music itself was pretty niche and kind of strange a lot of the times. The bands were too obscure for radio platforms, but their style and their visuals were super eye-grabbing. So by MTV giving them a platform to showcase the visual side of New Wave with music videos, it got them popular. The first music video ever played on MTV was by a New Wave band called The Bugles. It's a song that I'm sure you probably know. It's Video Killed the Radio Star. (gasps) Somewhere deep inside my brain, I knew that that was the first MTV video. I've probably told you that at some point. I've never watched this music video. I mean, it's it's just an early 80s video. It's kind of weird. This is amazing. But like, can you imagine being around back then and for your whole life it's just been radio and then now you can watch these bands with like these weird visuals playing it on your TV. Like that had to be so weird. I would have it on literally all the time. Yeah, I mean, I did growing up. I had MTV and VH1 like every morning I was watching music videos on it. That was the 2000s and not the... 80s was stuff. I didn't ever really watch music videos on TV. I did, and when I would, as I got, when I got older and started, like, figuring out that YouTube was a thing, I would just go on YouTube and watch music videos. That's, <laughs> like, all I did on YouTube. Because, like, in the past, if you watched a band play on TV, it was a live thing mm-hmm. on, like... Ed Sullivan or whatever. So having this studio quality record, like it's just weird. It's revolutionary. All right, that's video kill the radio star. This is fascinating. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it involved like mad scientists. <laughs> yeah. Another song that got significant airplay on MTV and helped establish this genre was called "Whip It" by Devo. Whip it real good. Yep. Same song. Yep. Oh. Devo was formed in 1970 in Ohio, but they didn't release an album until 1978. They were absurdist and featured surrealist humor. They featured a lot of satirical social commentary and deadpan humor, as well as sci-fi themes in their style and music. They sound like my kind of people. Their music was heavily inspired by the concept of de-evolution, which is where they got their name name from. What is their name again? Devo. Oh. And it's the idea that societies can regress to more primal forms. Sure. Here is Whip It. I can't believe this isn't Whip It. No. I can't believe that, like, the people behind Whip It Real Good are that layered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) they're just kind of, like, absurd is basically their whole thing. Oh my god, it's called Whip Tease. What is on their hats? They always wore those hats. What? Whip it good. 
What is happening? <laughs> That's about all of Devo I can take. I'm so confused <laughs> at the plot of this music video. Yeah, I don't. It's weird. I don't know, but they were handsome cowboys. New Wave also got a massive boost from movie soundtracks. There was a particular director named John Hughes who was super passionate about music. He'd often come up with the soundtrack before even he before he even started writing the movie. John Hughesack. No, John Hughes. <laughs> John Cusack is an actor, I think. John Cusack. He was particularly enthralled by British New Wave music, and he'd even have bands create songs specifically for his movies, like Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Oh my god, shut up. Some of John Hughes' movies became massively popular, so when people heard this type of music in their favorite movies, the songs became more popular. His movies, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club... And Home Alone gave these bands a massive career boost. I didn't realize that Home Alone. Yeah. Same guys, Breakfast Club. (laughs) All of those like 80s teen rom-com movies. no clue. Teen dramas. John Hughes, unfortunately, passed away from a heart attack in 2009 at the age of 59. Here is Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. How is this all new wave? I'm telling you, it's very loosely defined. It's basically just like sort of rock, but also strange and synthy and poppy. We talk a little bit, I think, about like how the song came to be, because it's pretty fascinating. Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Why are there creepy clowns? I don't know. Simple Minds were a Scottish band formed in 1977. They're Scottish? Yep. They've achieved... Did everyone know that? I knew they were UK. I didn't know Scottish specifically. They've achieved five UK number one albums and sold more than 60 million albums. The song, Don't You Forget About Me, was written by Keith Forsey and Steve Schiff who were hired to score the movie Breakfast Club. They were fans of Simple Minds, and and they wrote the song with that band in mind. Originally, Simple Minds declined to record the song, 
So the writers offered it to Brian Ferry and Billy Idol, both of whom also declined. I'm really glad that Simple Minds got their shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that they are too. Jim Kerr, who was the Simple Minds frontman, said they declined because they were reluctant to record songs that they didn't write. Oh, Kerr. What? Nothing. Move on. Okay. <laughs> he said, quote, we are Simple Minds. We don't do songs that sound like Simple Minds. We are Simple Minds. We do our own songs. That's so pretentious. End quote. Yeah. They were also frustrated at their lack of success in the U.S. and couldn't see how recording that song would change things. <laughs> but after pressure from their label and Kerr's wife, the singer of the Simple Minds after his wife told them to, they finally relented. That's right. They rearranged. Around the world, girls. <laughs> they rearranged and recorded the song in three hours and then promptly forgot about it. They thought it would be a throwaway song on the soundtrack of a forgotten movie. Movie, But then the song hit number one in 1985 in the U.S. By December of 1982, 14% of teenagers rated New Wave as their favorite style of music, which made it the third most popular genre. Behind. I'm guessing just generic like pop and rock or maybe country. I don't know. Just more generic stuff. Despite people saying it would never catch on in the early 80s, it was turning into a dominant force in music. Many of the biggest bands were British, which, of course, led to many people calling this the second British invasion. Many of the new wave artists, including ones we've talked about, like The Knacks, The Bugles, Devo, etc., were all one-hit wonders, which led people to wonder why that was the case with this type of music. And the music video aspect definitely played a part. Many of these hits had super memorable videos that launched them into the mainstream and into heavy MTV rotation. That identified the band with that video and that song and made it hard for them to break away from it. That's also why many artists only had one hit in the U.S., but several hits elsewhere. Because they were good artists who could write hits, but because of MTV in America, they were forever tied to one song. Interesting. While that wasn't the case elsewhere in the world. Like pretty much every other genre of popular music that we've talked about, New Wave was eventually overtaken by other genres that emerged, kind of out of it, but also alongside it. It lived a little too close to punk music, and it died really early, like the first wave of punk did. But where punk was super rigid about what punk was allowed to be, which contributed to its downfall, New Wave kind of had the opposite problem. It was far too open about what it was. Basically, any new band that used a synthesizer at any point was considered New Wave. But eventually the industry needed to like break that down a little bit, so these bands were filtered into other genres like synth-pop or ska. Most of the major new wave bands, like the Talking Heads, the Police, the Cars, had disbanded by the end of the 80s. Hard rock and hair metal bands were on the ascendancy at that time, so new wave kind of went down with that. New wave did have a bit of a comeback in the 90s, but for the most part it is decidedly out of the mainstream. And that's New Wave. Next episode, whenever that will be, we're going to talk about one of my favorite bands, Blondie. Cool. They're really good. I like them a lot. Yes. Get to see the... I don't know. Debbie Harry's just a cool person. I think okay. you're going to like her. You're going to like her style and her... I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Anything? Anything you want to add about New Wave? It's a fun, weird, quirky little genre. Da-na-na-na. 
That's it? That's where you want to end? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, goodbye, people. Bye.